What is going on, guys? Happy Monday, and welcome back to the Prospect Podcast. Today, I have a little bit of a special episode going on here. I'm starting a new segment that I will be doing every Monday from here on out. I'll just be taking a look at news from around the league and basically just try to keep you guys up to date on what's going on around the league. Today, specifically being free agent signings and transactions from around the league, But before we get started, I just wanted to say I am still continuing with the Blue Jays farm system. Um, I left off with the New York Yankees. Uh, Before that, we did the Red Sox. And then before that, starting off the series, we did the Baltimore Orioles. So I am still doing that. If you've been looking for the for the uh, Blue Jays episode to be coming out, it will be coming out this week. Um, So stay tuned for that. Also, I do have a special interview coming up this week as well. So this is a very big week for podcast. Um, I think about might be doing three or four episodes. So keep an eye on that exciting interview that's coming up. If you don't follow me on Instagram, go follow me at the prospect podcast on my Instagram story last night. I gave a little bit of a hint towards the interview. I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be really cool, really informative. Um, and I'm excited to get that out there. So that'll be in the middle of the week sometime. One last announcement before we do get started here, though. We successfully completed our 2,000 follower giveaway that unfortunately was pushed back further and further over the last week just due to some sickness that I was dealing with along with work um, on the weekends. But we did get it done Saturday night. And congratulations to all the winners and thank you for the participants in the contest. So, all right, let's hop into the good stuff. I'll be starting with these transactions um, and signings that happened about November 16th, I think, up until today, up until the latest signings today. I'll also be going over some big news in the business, which is, if you haven't heard by now, the Cleveland Indians' decision to move forward on changing their name. So I'll be going over that very briefly. I don't want to get too much into it. It's a very controversial topic. I'll just go over it real quick at the end of the uh, podcast here. All right, so starting off, I think this was November 16th, Drew Smiley signs with the Braves, and then a couple days later, Charlie Morton, I think about eight days later, Charlie Morton also signs with the Braves. So I like the Braves being aggressive with pitching here, signing Smiley, who to me is kind of a shot in the dark. You know, he did last year, or this past year he was injured, um, I think with, a finger injury, and then came back, and I think he threw 26 in the third innings, and he did pretty decent. It was about, I think, like a three and a half ERA, so he did do well, but I mean, he hasn't thrown 100 innings in a season since 2014. You know, shot in the dark, shot in the dark, but could work out. Morton obviously has a better track record. No confusion here. I like the signing. Many people saw it coming, and honestly, I expect the Braves to be contenders again in 2021 with these signings here. So on November 30th, Michael A. Taylor signs with the Royals for one year and $1.75 million. I'll be honest, until I saw this, I completely forgot about Taylor for a few years. Uh, I mean, but overall, Taylor's defensive ability outweighs his bat, Um, obviously, his career average is around 237. So, I mean, you know, at the very least, he will be able to contribute a little bit um, of production besides in the outfield. 
but obviously this is a defensive play here. And, you know, for the Royals, it's not a terrible play. Not a terrible play. Also, December 1st, Royals signed Mike Miner to two years for $18 million. I like this signing, giving the Royals some depth and uh, some experience to their pretty young pitching staff. I'm interested to see if they will keep Miner a starter or if they're going to put him back in the bullpen. That's going to be interesting to see, but Royals making a couple moves here. Not bad at all. But at the end of the day, I don't expect these moves to really affect the outcome of the Royal season next year. On December 1st, we have Trevor May signing with the Mets for two years, and that should be around $15 million. And obviously the Mets need a bullpen arm. They were pretty bad. I think it lower, I think like lower, like definitely bottom 10, but maybe like bottom six they were. With bullpen arms, um, very bad. So I do really like Trevor May as a pitcher. Uh, throws the ball hard. And I like him being added to the squad. Probably the second best reliever on the market. So good job to the Mets to grab that. December 2nd, Orioles trade Jose Iglesias to the Angels for two lower level minor league pitching prospects. So basically the Angels here just filled the hole of Simmons. At shortstop, I doubt Iglesias makes any real difference here for the Angels at this point in his career. But you know, hole to fill. That's how I look at it. They filled the hole. Um, and I think he's what a career two seventy five hitter around there. Not terrible. Good defensive. He's getting old, but I think that filling the hole is what they needed. So December seventh, Reds trade. Marcel Iglesias to the Angels for Noah Ramirez. I like this trade. The Angels need their bullpen arms, and adding a top 20 arm is a good way to start. I believe they non-tendered five bullpen arms this offseason. So this is a good selection here, or a good trade here for, for Iglesias to the Reds, or from the Reds. You know, even if it is just for a year, uh, it's really going to glue this bullpen together, I think. And, you know, obviously they got a couple more spots to fill, but I think Iglesias is a big arm and he will bring this bullpen together. December 7th, range. this is an interesting one. And I, I, I'm really like kind of torn how I feel. But December 7th, Rangers trade Lance Lynn to the White Sox for Dane Dunning and Avery Weems. Okay, so like I was saying, I'm, honestly, I I'm pretty on I'm on the side of the White Sox. Obviously, they are in a win now state. You know, Madrigal came up, Robert came up, made their debuts, had good years for the most part, but the problem was pitching. It always has been pit well for the last couple of years. Has been pitching, no depth, no pitching depth at all. You get a veteran guy in the rotation, and Lynn is perfect for that role. Add some depth. Get rid of Dunning. Dunning didn't do terrible, but much rather had Lynn. I mean, Dunning's 26. Um, I just like Lynn better in the situation for a win-now team. Obviously, the Rangers are neither going to develop these arms for their future, 
And obviously they aren't in a win now state like the White Sox are. So I do like this trade from the White Sox. I'm very happy with it. I if you guys can't tell, I'm 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 not from Chicago. I'm from the Philly area, but South Jersey specifically. But over the years I've really developed a liking for the White Sox. And I'm not a I'm not a huge fan, but I do like to pay attention to what they do. And I do like to root for them um, in most situations. So I do really like Lance Lynn to the White Sox. Next year is going to be very, very interesting. Hopefully we can get a full season in and see what happens. December 8th, Giants signed Matt Whistler to one year, $1.15 million. I don't know too much about Whistler. I know he throws his slider 81% of the time. Um and he's a hard thrower, and that led to some walks from him, and he was non-tendered by the Twins, I believe. But he's ha- he had very good statistics. I'm not sure why exactly that happened, but San Fran is a good spot for Whistler to land and a good grab by the Giants. I'm excited to see how that's going to turn out. Back to the Royals again. Signing Carlos Santana, and this is on December 8th. Carlos Santana, two years, $17.5 million. The Royals need a first baseman. Who do they have? O'Hearn and McBroom. Two guys that, you know, kind of in the same ballpark as Santana besides the on-base percentage. Santana is what? A career 250 hitter, but he gets on base. He draws walks. And that's a big part of what they need. They need to get guys on base. You know, he's not going to blow you away, but he definitely has power as well. He has power and he draws walks. A big thing um, I feel like seeing this past year and the years past, a lot of strikeouts from McBroom or O'Hearn, whichever one. Um, Then they had Duda before that. Uh, I can't even remember. I mean, it was a Gordon before that. But Duda struck out a lot. I mean... Guys just really struck out. So hopefully Carlos Santana can bring a different mindset to the Royals and get them that depth they need at first base. I like to pick up, you know, like I said, just like Mike with Michael A. Taylor, though, I don't expect too much here out of out of these signings for the Royals. You know, I just I really don't. They're good signings, but I really don't expect to glue this team together but we'll see i do like their pitching staff a lot so we'll see if the offense can get going but december 8th same day white Sox signed adam eaton one year seven million dollars with an 8.5 million dollar club option for 2022 i like eaton and with uh no more mazara just not being the piece that they were looking for you know maybe eaton's comeback will be a good one but to say the least, Eaton is average at best. Career, 282 average, 360 on base percentage. I do think Eaton can contribute to this team a lot, add some depth to the outfield. And I think that as long as he can continue to get on base, I'm not sure if he has as much speed as he used to, but I mean, hey, he can definitely hit some homers. What's he hit? Maybe 10, 15 a year, if that. Maybe, yeah, maybe around 10. I think that he's going to be able to produce and be a good player in the outfield. 
you know, you guys may be shocked the impact Eaton will have on this club. I'm excited to see it. So December 9th, the Mariners signed Chris Flexen. When I saw this pop up, I was like, wait. I'm kind of confused. Like, because I was like, Chris Flexen, I know the name. I know he used to be on the Mets. But what happened to him? Because in a couple, like, I guess this past year, I didn't see his name. I just feel like I haven't seen him in a while. But December 9th, Mariners signed Chris Flexen two years, $4.75 million. So Flexen had a very, very rough run while on the Mets, posting a little bit above an 8 ERA through 68 innings. And that was from uh, 2017 to 2019. And then after that, he was designated for assignment. He went over actually to Korea and played... And through 116 innings, he had a three, little over three ERA, and he struck out four times as many hitters than he did walk them. So that's pretty impressive how he bounced back in Korea, but how will it translate when he comes back in the major leagues? And I believe sometimes all guys need to do is make necessary adjustments and it seems like Flexen did that in Korea. And he's still very young at 26. So we will see how that transpires into the major leagues again. You know, still carrying that 8 ERA lifetime. We'll see what happens. I'm kind of excited to, to follow this story here. Very excited. But decent pickup by the Mariners could be like, you know, kind of like Smiley, like, Hit or miss. Smiley obviously has a better track record in the long run, but, excuse me, more experience. But, you know, it will remain to be seen how he adjusts back to the MLB. I'm excited to see that. December 10th, the Rays traded Nate Lowe or Lau to the Rangers in a six-player deal that included three prospects going to Tampa Bay. The Rays already have proven to have some depth at first base in Choi and Diaz. So why not, you know, trade it away? Okay, so I'm, this is throwing me off every time. I know it's, I think it's Brandon Lowe and Nate Lau because they run the same team. So I'm going to say Lau. I, th- I said this in a podcast when I was doing the, uh, the uh, division series games. I feel like I should know this, but of course I don't. Uh, so Nate Lau. But so why not trade Lau away for some prospects? Seems like a pretty fair deal to me. The Rangers are ranked literally the worst among the worst in first base rankings. And they're not, you know, they know they are. They knew it had to be addressed. So this could be a good pickup. You know, although Lau has had some big strikeout trouble, but when he does hit the ball, he hits it hard. And I, like I said same thing with flexing. Like I'm a big believer in second chances in this game because sometimes it's all about mindsets. You might be really bad on one team. You go to a different team, you have a better community, better surrounding, better just ball club around you, better coaches, or maybe coaches that, that favor you and favor your style. You could turn into an all-star the next year. And that's just how it is. So 
I'm excited to see this. I've always tried to follow Lau because I always knew him as a power hitter. But then over the years, it kind of just like he kind of diminished into. I don't know if he had some injury troubles or what, but I haven't seen too much of him, to be honest. Maybe I don't pay attention enough to the Rays or just in general, but I haven't seen him in a while, and I'm excited to see him have the everyday job over at the Rangers. I know the Rangers had Guzman, and he was mediocre at best. Um I always feel like he could have had some power behind him, could have had a high ceiling, but just never never exceeded any sort of uh, uh, goal there. But the main piece to this tra- transaction for the Rays was Heriberto Hernandez, a prospect whom Fangraphs experts is said to be a special hitter, a very special hitter. I don't know much about Hernandez, but after this, I am definitely going to be looking him up and seeing what he has to offer. And obviously the Rays said that that was the main piece, but it is obviously going to be three or four years until he must be very young, three or four years until they will fully develop him and see where he comes up. So definitely an investment for them, but good pickup for the Rangers. I just, let me hop into the next one because the next one is also the Rangers and I'll talk about them for a second. But December 11th, next day, Rangers acquired David Dahl, for one year, $3 million. So the Rangers are definitely active here, but the one concern for Dahl was his injuries. But I read that some said moving from the high altitude in Colorado may help his case here. And as long as Dahl is healthy, he's definitely a good player to have in your lineup and in the outfield alongside Joey Gallo. So like I was going to say before, this is what I was going to talk about, just the Rangers hitters in general. I feel like Rangers hitters have always had that high ceiling, like Joey Gallo, Odor. Um, then they had Andrews, who was pretty pretty consistent. They had DeShields, who was, I don't even know if he's still on the team. I think he is, but who was nothing. But I really always liked Guzman, um, who was a catcher, Chirinos. Guys who had the power, but really, you know, not really sure they knew how or when to use it besides Gallo. You know, Odor struck out a ton, never had that great average. Uh, I mean, Joey Gallo strikes out a ton too, but, I mean, he absolutely he destroys the ball, which kind of takes your mind away from him striking out so much sometimes. But adding Dahl, adding Nate Lau, I think two good left-handed hitters. Dahl is a good hitter. I've always liked Dahl as well. So I'm excited to see how this goes. They're going to have a good, pretty good outfield here. And, you know, adding some more lefties with some pop and defensive ability here is definitely a good move. And quick fact also, if you guys didn't know, Dahl actually collected the first ever hit in Globe Life Field history last July. So that's pretty ironic. He's coming back to where he made history. So I'm excited to see how this plays out. So the big one here is December 12th, two days ago, the Mets announced that they acquired catcher James McCann for four years, $40 million. I was excited to see where McCann landed. And after a lot of rumors how the Mets were going to pay up for Romuto, they didn't. Which makes you think 
maybe, hey, maybe they're saving for a guy like Springer or Trevor Bauer. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But if they do not sign anyone bigger than McCann, you kind of have to wonder what's going on uh, with, you know, with the Tigers. McCann only hit 240 after being non-tendered. He hit 276 with the White Sox in two years, which obviously is a decent amount better. And he did have a decent 2020 outing batting 286, you know, but obviously that was only through a little over 100 plate appearances. White Sox Giolito actually had some good things to say about working with McCann, but overall, in the end, Grandal landed the big deal, and McCann just hit the market. And the Mets picked him up. Many are said is are saying that McCann is thought to be a late bloomer, but we'll see how it pans out in New York. I'm going to wait and see how the rest of the offseason plays out here for the Mets before I really grade this move. So once we see some more moves, I'll, I'll talk about this more. But hey, that's a good deal for McCann. Four years, $40 million. Definitely a good, good deal. He's had his struggles. But, you know, in hindsight, he has gotten better. Obviously, he's not real Muto, but... We'll see. And I'm excited to see where he's going to land now after this. So it's exciting. This is very exciting stuff. So just today, the Royals have brought back Greg Holland to furthermore secure their bullpen. And they signed him for one year, $2.75 million. Like I was saying before, I do like the young staff in the Royals rotation. And then the veteran guys in their bullpen. Really liking that. So that's why I'm kind of thinking maybe Smiley will be in the bullpen. We'll see. Also, just today, Hunter Renfro signed with the Red Sox for a one-year $3.1 million contract. And funny enough, Renfro was actually originally drafted by the Red Sox out of high school in the 31st, I believe, round. And Renfro ultimately chose to attend Mississippi State. And ended up being a first-round pick by the Padres in 2013. But adding a power hitter to the, to the Red Sox outfield is definitely a good deal Deal here. As they have two lefties in Benintendi and then Verdugo. Um, which Verdugo will probably play center, Benintendi in left. Um, and then Renfro in right. That's a, pre, that's a solid outfield. Solid outfield. Strikeout potential, yes. But we'll see. And as for Jackie Bradley, we will definitely see probably over the next couple weeks here where he ends up. He might be signing back with the Red Sox. We'll see about that. But adding depth is never a bad thing. So I've always liked Renfro. And for his pop, Fenway might be a really good spot for him to capitalize and showcase his power. I mean, I can see it now. He's going to be hitting absolute missiles over the green monster. I'm excited to watch that. I've always liked Renfro. Whenever I play DraftKings and he's up against a lefty, you know, a guy like Smiley going up against him, I'm probably going to pick Renfro, if I'm being honest. So I'll definitely be doing that this year. But, yeah, so that's it for the transactions and the signings from November 16th to now. So almost a month of transactions for big, big moves there. So we'll definitely be keeping a close eye. Like I said, we'll give it another week. 
So the 21st, next Monday, I'll be doing this again as long as there is consistent moves being made. And we will see what happens. I'm very excited to see what happens here. So second topic of the day here. Like I was saying, very controversial topic. I'm not going to be taking any sides here. I'm staying neutral. So as most of you may have heard, though, the Cleveland Indians are currently in the process of changing their team name. You know, pretty much after a year of national reckoning over race, um, the George Floyd incident, everything that happened, you know, it's no surprise that they have decided to retire Chief Wahoo and the name. You know, obviously it won't be in effect this coming season. I think I saw that they might be going as the tribe moving forward as of right now. I, You know, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I did see that. But it won't be in effect this coming season. Um, but this will be the last season that they play under the Indians' name. And also this comes after the Washington Redskins, of course, changed their name to the Washington football team. And honestly, I hate that. I hate that name, the Washington football team. Hate it. But the Cleveland Baseball Club actually sounds pretty good to me. I saw some um, speculation about the Cleveland uh, Spiders. I, I don't know. Why? Why Spiders? That's pretty random. We'll see. I don't know. I think they're going to be pretty engaged in uh, with their fans and, and, you know, the whole major league um, fans here about changing their name and different options. So pay close attention to that. You might be able to make a, a part of history here. But let's see. But, you know, like I was saying, Cleveland Baseball Club sounds good. Team owner Paul Dolan said via MLB.com here, quote, our role is to unite the community. There is a credible number of people in this community that are upset by our name, are hurt by our name, and there is no reason for our franchise to bear a name that is divisive. So I found this pretty interesting, too, that before uh, the 2019 season, the Indians actually retired Chief Wahoo on team hats and jerseys, but they did still sell team merchandise with that logo on it, which is doesn't really make sense to me, but on Monday, um, I think today, actually, Dolan did say that the team has decided to donate all profits from the sale of Chief Wahoo merchandise to causes that support Native American communities. Very respectful act for sure there by Dolan and the Indians organization. So I've seen a lot, a lot of controversy over this topic on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not taking anyone's side here. I remain neutral because in my eyes, you know, at the end of the day, it makes Native American activists and communities who are offended by this happy to have retired the name, um, you know, in a good fashion. And then in reality, it'll be weird for a few years and then we'll be totally forgotten about by the majority of the public. You know, the people that are upset, it will be forgotten about and it will mean a lot more to the Native American community that it has been retired. That's how I feel. So, but I do suggest you guys hold on to any Indians gear you have, maybe with Chief Wahoo on it. 
as your grandkids or great-grandkids may be surprised when you show them and tell them the story of how the Indians changed their name. And hey, maybe it will be considered highly valuable somewhere down the line. You never know. That's why you always keep, well, don't be a hoarder, but sports things, sometimes it is very good to keep. So that is it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like I was saying, this week we're going to have an interview coming up with a very special guest on a very special team. And then probably towards the end of the week, I will be putting out the Blue Jays farm system ranking. And before I used to put the first three episodes for my uh, series here with the farm system rankings, I, I did a separate episode with the number one prospect. I think I'm going to keep that as one whole episode and just dive deep into the number one prospect as well as breaking down the farm system, be more efficient here. So that's what it's going to look like moving forward. So stay tuned with that. Like I said, make sure you give me a follow over on Instagram and I wish you guys a great week and I'll see you sometime middle of the week and then end of the week. Thanks.